This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. This week's Pashat by last week's was Pashat by Yeshev. I'd like to talk a little bit about Pashat by Yeshev. Well, being that it's Hanukkah, I got to tell you a story about Hanukkah. So, Ramosh Meir Weiss, I don't know who knows Ramosh Meir Weiss. He's a rabbi in Staten Island, famous rabbi. So, about ten years ago, Milton Bradley, you know, they make Monopoly and a few other games. They called Ramosh Meir Weiss. And they said that we know the Jews have a game called Dreidel. And we'd like to understand, we are, the game, we make all the games that you play, right? Risk, Life, Monopoly. So we would like to understand how this game works. And maybe we'll sell this game for everybody if it's a good game. So Amosha Mayawai said, well, if you want me to be in this with you, to help you with the game... Then you gotta pay me. So he said, if the game goes very well, like how much money can I make? He said about $100,000. $100,000? Okay. He said, it's simple. You have a dreidel, and it has four letters on it. Right? Nez, Gadol, Yosham, Nun, Gimel, Hey, Shin. And you spin the dreidel. If it lands on Gimel, you win. If it lands on Hey, you get half. If it lands on Nun, it's nothing. And if you land on Shin, you got to put money in. So he said, that's the whole game? He says, yes, it's an exciting game. I said, okay, we have to go to our think tank. Milton Bradley has a think tank. There's many, many ideas of toys. And they go to this think tank, and most of them are kids, right? And they say, we like it, we don't like it. That's how they do That's how they do with computers also. So they went to the think tank. And they came back to him, and they said, what do these letters stand for? She said, Nason, Miracle, Gadol, big, great one. Haya was Shum there. Okay. They called them back a week later. And they said, we don't understand the game. The game makes no sense. Nace, the miracle, you should win. That's the big word. Nace, Gadol, Haya, Shum. What's the big word? It was a miracle. So Nun, what do you mean nothing? Nun should, should be a winner. Right? What's the next thing that's important? The Nace, the Nun, and Shum. That it was a miracle there. Shin, you have to pay. We don't understand why Gadol, Gimel, wins, and hey, Haya, nothing, doesn't mean anything. Haya was, right? We don't understand how this game works. It's not going to sell. It doesn't logically make sense. But very much Mary Weiss wanted to keep the, to, to get this game going. He says, no, no, no. It, it the reason, that's what it stands for. But the way it works that you win or lose goes after Yiddish. Gimel, right? Neith Gadol Yosham. Shin means Shtelarain. Hey means Halb, half. Shtelarain means put in. Shin is put in. Hey is Halb, half. Gimel is Gantz. Everything. And Nun is nothing. Right? Well, it's a different word. Um, a different word in Yiddish. But it means nothing with a Nun. Right? Nisht, right. Nisht, nothing. He said... That's why the payment of the game is based on Yiddish word. How? Gans? Nisht? Shtalarain. So they said, oh, now it's a good game. So they went back to the think tank. They called them back and they said, no, 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 no. Can't be that this is true. We did, we looked at the history and when the Jewish kids were playing this with the Greeks, there was no Yiddish language. 
they spoke either Greek or they spoke Hebrew. Can't be that you're right. There was no Yiddish language. We can't have a game unless we know why these things work the way they do. He says, I'm going to tell you the answer, but it's not going to help you that much. And he said, the answer is that Aleph, Aleph stands for one. Aleph stands for Hashem. Aleph also stands for the word Aluf. Aluf is the general, the head. The head is called Aluf, right? The general. And Aleph, the number one, represents God. The closer the letter is to God, the greater the letter is valued. So Gimel is the closest letter to Aleph. Hey is the next closest letter to Aleph. So Gimel and Hey, you collect. Then you come to Nun, which is in the middle of the Aleph base. That's nothing. Shin is the furthest, almost, the next letter is tough. It's almost the furthest letter that you can be from Hashem. We're trying to teach the kids that the closer you are to God, Beautiful when he said this past Shabbos. The closer you are to God, the more of a winner. Gimel, you're only two letters from God, you're a winner. You're ready, hey, you're half a winner. Nun, not so good. Shin, you're in trouble. And I was thinking to myself that Shin stands for Shtelarain. If you're so far from God, which has a lot to do with my shit tonight, if you're so far from God that you're one letter away from the furthest letter there is from the Aleph, then you have to shell around. You have to, you have to work. You have to start putting in. Putting in effort. And that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. Putting in work. You're so far, it's not just going to happen. You're going to have to, you're going to have to work on it. Somebody asked me a question before the shit tonight. Sometimes you have to keep working, keep working, keep working, keep working till the steps turn into an elevator, which we spoke about a few weeks ago. So, in last week's Pasha, Yosef was sent to find his brothers. So this is a very interesting Pasuk. And the Pasuk says like this, ish, And a man found Yosef. He was lost, he was meandering, he was wandering in the field. So this man saw Yosef wandering in the field. So he said, And the man asked him, saying, What do you want? Now, if you see someone that's lost in the street, right? You see someone walking on Avenue J and you realize they're not from Brooklyn. You walk over to them and say, So what do you want? You're like, what address are you looking for? Where are you going? You don't ask him, what do you want? What do you want? You don't ask him, what do you want? You want a burger? Oh, there's coach, you know, coach of the light. No. You ask him, where are you going? Now, you tell me where you're going, I'll tell you how to get there. This ish, which was, says Rashi, the Malach Gavriel, he didn't ask him, where are you going? He asked him, what do you want? Yosef Atzadik, you're 17 years old. And you're wandering. You're lost. It's like a kid that you meet in the street and they, they're lost. They don't know, they're, 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 they don't know where they are, right? She's like, what do you want in life? Yosef and what do you want? So what did he answer? He said, I am looking for, you ask me what I want? I am looking for my brothers. 
Higidina, please tell me, Ephohim, where are they? Ephohim, Rome, where are they? And he tells them where he saw them going, he heard them talking about it, and he said they went from here to a place called Besana. What's going on over here? We know the Torah doesn't say warm words. The Malach Gavriel was asking Yosef, what's this trip all about? Why are you going? Yes, his father sent him, but why are you going? What are you, what are you looking for? He's lost. And actually, had he turned around and gone back home and said to his father, I couldn't find them, the whole Mitzrayim thing would have turned out differently. He wouldn't have been sold. So, what he was answering, Yosef Atzadik, was very, very deep. And this is what my shir is based on. Yosef Atzadik had two dreams. He meddled with his brothers. He tried to make peace between the brothers and the sons of the, of the, of the maidservants. His brothers clearly did not like him. It says that in the Pasuk. He just wanted to belong. He didn't want to be a brother that was separated from all his brothers. He just wanted to belong. So when the Malach didn't ask him, where are you going? The Malach said, what do you want? And Yosef said, as Achai, I want my brothers. I want to be one of them. I don't want to feel different. So the Malach said, if you want to be one of them and you don't want to feel different, then I'll tell you. If you want to make trouble, but if you want to be one of them, I'll tell you where to go. This is very, very deep because it's very connected to the whole thing with Potiphar's wife. It's connected to everything that happened to Yosef in the next three parshas. Now, I want to tell you a story. And, and, and I have to tell you that it's more women than men, but both women and men, especially teenagers, no, I shouldn't say that. No, it doesn't matter how old you are. Want to belong. Want to be part of something. Nobody wants to be alone. No one wants to be excommunicated. Women more than men, teenage girls more than teenage boys, will sacrifice anything. And I'm underlining anything. To belong. They're covered, and I don't want to even get into what they're willing to sacrifice. They emotionally need, and men also do, we need to belong. So men do it through sports. I'm on a basketball team. I'm on a hockey team. I'm on a baseball team. So I belong to a group of guys, even if after we finish playing, we're not really talking to each other, but I'm on a team. I'm on a basketball team. I'm on a football team. I'm on a baseball team. So I belong. I have my group. Girls don't play sports that much, especially religious girls. Schools, the basic system, whatever it is, we don't, we don't have an inter-basketball team between schools or, or, or that kind of thing. In camp, yes, but outside of camp, no. And the problem is that the street, the street is everybody's friend. The street says, you belong to us. You're perfect. Who cares what you get on your test? Who cares what you look like? Who cares how much money you have? Who cares what school you go to? The street accepts everybody. And that's why kids are falling out of schools. 
and falling into the street. Because if your school doesn't accept you, and your home doesn't accept you, and the street does accept you, then you're willing to give up your school and your home and a lot more just to be accepted. And it's very painful and it's very pitiful to watch because really the street does not accept you for who you are. The street accepts you for what the street is. And if you were to go against what the street is saying, you'd be very, very unaccepted. There's a... um, there's an organization, a terrible, terrible organization called Footsteps. And this organization takes Jewish kids, mostly Hasidic kids, and they, they, they give them an English education. These are kids who don't have an English education. That's what they advertise. But really what they are is about taking Jewish kids and turning them into mamish atheists, chil Shabbos, eating pork. The worst things they do to, that you can imagine. But they sell it as... Oh, you only speak Yiddish, you don't have an education, we're going to give you an education. It's a very huge organization, it's funded by, by, the, by the state, it's a very terrible, it's the Erev Rav, it's worse than the Erev Rav. Their, their mission is to take Jewish from kids and turn them into the worst Bali Averis that, that, that are possible. So there was a girl here last week, and she is wandering, she's looking, she's, she's searching. And she can't see at night. She has this disease. She cannot see at night. She ended up going to footsteps. Because it's one of the places to search to see the different religions, different thoughts, different that. She went to footsteps. And at the end of whatever she was listening to, she said to them, I need somebody to either take me home or walk me to a bus because I cannot see. So the leader who was giving the class said to her, well, now that you heard everything we have to say, do you believe in God? She said, yes. She said, you really believe in God? She said, yes. So she said, okay. And they threw her out. And they left her on the curve of of where it is, of the street. And this person told her, well, if you believe in God, then let him get you home. You think they accept you. You think the street accepts you. The street accepts you if you're like the street. And the problem that we have today, and I'm going to be very, very open, and I'll give you, I'll give you an example. A year and a half ago, I mean, I spoke about texting on Shabbos. I was one of the first people to speak about texting on Shabbos. And everybody was like, oh, you're making it much bigger than it is. One kid here, one kid there. And Wallstein, you like to take things and make it much bigger than it is. And I'm like, no. I'm speaking to girls, and I'm like asking them, who are they texting? And they're texting the other girl in the class. I'm like, I know a class that's in a very religious school that half the class is texting on Shabbos. And of course, everyone's telling me, yeah, you make it up because you want to sell this. Is that way you want to speak? You want to make? I'm like, no. I, I definitely would not talk lashon hara on cholesterol. So it's for sure not. I don't, I don't need to talk lashon hara on cholesterol. So it's a real problem if you don't really discuss it. It's a real problem. Anyway, so. She's a very nice girl from a very religious family in a very religious school. I'm talking Beisakov type of school. So I said to her, what's your trauma? Why would a regular girl from a regular house who goes to a regular school text on Shabbos? Be Mechal Shabbos. 
listen to music on Shabbos. Why would, why would someone do that? So I said, so you, uh, you had any trauma in your life? Any abuse? No. Um, you don't talk to your mother, right? No, I do. Your father, no relationship? No, I do. I'm like, your brothers and sisters, everything's cool? Yeah. So I'm like, okay. Um, why do you text on Shabbos? Why are you listening to music on Shabbos? You'd be Yaakov, girl, from a from family. I don't know. You don't know? I mean, you don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking to myself, usually I, the texting on Shabbos is not the disease. It's the symptom. There's something wrong. The listening to music on Shabbos is not the disease. It's the symptom of something else that's going on. So I thought to myself, and I, and I said to her, I said, she said, why does something have to be wrong? To text on Shabbos. Why does it have to be trauma? Or someone hit me? Or I'm in a fight with my parents? Or I'm a rebel? She wasn't a rebel. She said, why does something have to be wrong? I like to text on Shabbos. I like to listen to music on Shabbos. So I told her, we are creatures, human beings of our environment. You grow up in a from house, go to a from school, and everything's okay. You don't just wake up one morning. Burger King! McDonald's! That doesn't happen. Or wake up one Shabbos morning. Okay, I gotta see a movie now. That doesn't happen. That's not the way it works. We are people of our environment. A Hasidic kid has no problem shaving his head and have long pace. Because that's what he's brought up. He's never thinking, oh, I want to have long hair. This is his environment. So when, they, when he grows the long hair, when he takes off his lavush, and he puts on his jeans, something pushed him out of his environment. So the girl, who's a Mishyakov girl, who comes from a family, is texting on Shabbos, something pushed her. And this kid, I just could not find what pushed her. I'll give you an example so you understand what I'm saying. The New York Times was very interested in this Jewish thing of Shabbos. So they sent a reporter to a religious home to see what is this Jewish Shabbos. So now make believe you're that reporter. Shabbos. So he calls up this family, ultra-Orthodox good people, and he says, do you mind if I spend the Sabbath with you? No problem. I want to write about it. Kish Hashem, very nice. They said, okay. Sunset's uh, 4.18. Come at 4 o'clock. He comes at 4 o'clock. Comes into this house. First thing, he opens the door. He's like, wow. This place smells amazing. Warm challah. Chillin's in the crock pot. The chicken soup's ready. The place is cooking. We get used to it. But for outside people, it's like, what? What's going on? It's Thanksgiving? Like, what's going on here? Like, right? Big party. Huge party. So right away, he walks into the room. Smells amazing. Then, he sees all the kids and the man and the wife come downstairs. Everybody's showered. Everybody's face is shining. Everyone's in a suit. The ladies come down there in their makeup and their shaitel and they're, they're ready for Shabbos. And he's like, was there a wedding in your house tonight? What's going on here? Everybody in a suit and, 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 and the woman's in a, in a robe and the kids are all dressed up and it, 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 something's going on here. This is not how people run, walk around his house Friday night. That's for sure. Right? And then the lady goes to these candles 
with her daughters, and she stands in front of these candles like an angel, and she puts her hands over her eyes, and she's praying, and her kids are praying, and he's like, he's like, it's angelic. Look at them, it's angelic. And he's just watching this, and he's taking notes, because he's going to write a whole article on this. And the lady turns around, she says, good Shabbos, she kisses all her kids on the head, the husband says, good Shabbos, and he turns to the husband, he goes, where are you going? He says, I'm going to the synagogue. He says, can I go with you? Sure. He says, okay, uh, where's the synagogue? I just want to see like what happens after this, all this stuff, and then I'm going to come to the synagogue, and he sits there for a few minutes, and he sees the mother's in the kitchen, and she's talking to her daughters, and she's checking all the food, make sure that everything is okay, everybody's relaxing, reading this, reading Mishpach, I don't know what they're reading, whatever, right? It's beautiful. It's quiet. Phones are not ringing. No blaring television. No blaring music. It's like heaven. The whole house is quiet. Candlelight. China. Silver. Set on the table. He's like, these people can't do this every week. I mean, you can't get your house this quiet every single week. It's impossible. Right? He goes to the synagogue. Walks into shul. Sits down. Everybody's in their suits. And they're praying. And the little kids, there's some guy standing in the corner with a little towel bag, and he's the candy man, and the kids are going, can I have a lollipop? And he's giving them a lollipop, and he's watching this in church, they don't have a candy man. No candy man church. Not that I've ever been there, but I'm, I don't think so. They sit very quietly. There's no candy man. He's watching this whole thing, and then comes the Chadaidi, and everybody starts singing, and it's amazing, of course, he's a reporter, he's, he's wearing a yarmulke, but he knows everyone's right, so he's all the way in the back of the shul. He's in the back of the shul. Everyone's in the All of a sudden, everybody gets up. They all turn around. Everybody's looking at him. Right? And they're like, And he's like, oh my God. They figured out I'm not Jewish. They're all staring at me. And then all of a sudden, they all turn around. And he, he, the, the Jewish guy that's in like the, the last row, he goes over to me and says, what was that all about? Why was everybody looking at me? What were they saying? He says, Boy Bashalam, come in peace. The whole synagogue turned around and told me to come in peace? So I gotta write about this in the paper. Davini ends, come home, family sitting at a table, husband makes kiddish, they wash Hamaitzi, he never had challah, warm, delicious challah, and there's fish, and there's soup, and he's trying to figure out why the matzo ball doesn't float. Right, that's at the bottom of the of the soup plate, and the kids are are reading things that they learned in school, and they're talking, and the whole family sitting at the table, and his his whole family never sits at a table, and there's still no phone ringing, and no one's going to watch sports, and no one's watching DVDs, and they're sitting at this table for an hour and a half, two hours, talking about life, talking about school. And of course, what do we do? The whole other day, the more we eat, right? So, eating and dessert. He's never in his life at a restaurant doesn't get a four-course meal. Four-course meal Friday night. Fish, soup, main dish, dessert. You ever realize that? You sit down to a four-course meal Friday night and Shabbos day. That's eight courses plus shoulder shooters, which is usually two. So it's ten courses. Ten courses in 24 hours. Now, beautiful. Now everybody goes upstairs. They're like my house. They put on a play, a Shabbos play. 
but they're not my house. And they go upstairs, and he's like, where are you all going? You got TVs? No, 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 we don't, we don't do that. So where are you going? Read a little bit, learn a little bit, pray a little bit, go to sleep. How long are you going to sleep? Eight hours, nine hours. And what are you going to do in the morning? Have a coffee, depending on the house, with chocolate kichel, maybe, maybe not, depending on where they're at. And we're going back to synagogue. Great. Goes with them to synagogue the next day. Two hours, they're praying, they're taking the scroll out, they're putting the scroll back in, they're calling this guy up, they're calling that guy up. You say, oh God, I hope they don't call me up. I don't know how to read Hebrew, right? He doesn't realize we're not calling him up, that's for sure, right? Comes back to the house, he says, so now we're going out? We're going to go play some ball? What are we doing? No, 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 no. Sit down. Fish, eggs, chopped liver, cholin, kogo, kishka. When did you make this? When did you make all this stuff? Right? So, after lunch, lunch is two hours, again the family's talking to each other. He's like, I never saw, you, you guys are together for like 26 hours? And all you do is pray, eat, and sleep? That's why Jews have energy a whole week. <laughs> now I understand why you guys don't sleep a whole week. Wow! At four o'clock? You go to sleep two o'clock? You're up at four? Some of the kids took them to Pirche. He heard the stories and the peanut chews, right? Then he went to Benoz, and he's like, our children don't have this. They're ripping each other's heads off. This is amazing. Stories, food, sleep, love, togetherness, family. He's amazed. Then comes Abdullah. Again, you're drinking wine. I like this religion, right? <laughs> the candle, what does that symbolize? And the besamim, and everyone's together, and the little kid's standing on the chair. And he's like, why would anyone, why would any Jew not want to do this? What is wrong with the last 26 hours that I told you? What's painful? The food? The sleeping? The reading? The prayers? The zmiros? The singing? Okay, the family. <laughs> but seriously, what's painful? I just painted you Shabbos. So if a girl is willing to say, I don't want any part of this. I don't want to come down to the table. And I don't want to sing. And I don't want to eat. And I want to listen to my music. And something's wrong. Something's wrong. This is paradise. Shabbos, I'm not telling you my Shabbos and connecting to Hashem. I'm not giving you all the, the deep stuff. I'm talking physical, physical Shabbos. Why would someone walk away from a day like this? One of two reasons. A dysfunctional family. Okay. But I'm talking about in a functional family. Or else. There's a much bigger problem that has a lot to do with Hanukkah. It has a lot to do with the Yavanim. And I just happened to ask this girl at the end because I could not figure out what pushed her out the door. I said, how are you in school? How are you doing in school? You're a 90 student? You're a 100 student? How are you doing in school? I'm failing everything. Since when are you failing everything? Fifth grade? Since fifth grade? Now you're in high school? Uh-huh. And did they help you? Did they test you, help you? 
Not really, a little bit. How'd you get to uh, the end of high school? How'd you get through the classes? They told me, they did me a favor. They pushed me through. I said, aha. So, this is the problem. Shabbos is a subject. Tznius is a subject. Chomish, Tehillim, Navi are all subjects. Competitive subject is Greek. You either pass the subject or you fail the subject. And we mark the subject. So therefore, if you're a girl or a boy, whatever it is, and you're learning Hilchah Shabbos, 6th grade, 7th grade, 8th grade, what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do, and you fail, you fail the subject of Shabbos. No one in this room, no one in this world, wants to do something that they're a failure at. We try to find what we're good at, and that's where we go. Sometimes it's art and we can't go anywhere because that doesn't do anything for us. Or music, depending on where we're, where we're studying. And sometimes it's, we're left-brained and we're very good at art and we're very good at music and we're very good at writing, but we're not so good in memory. What happened to Judaism? What happened to our school system? It became Yavon. What is Yavon? Yavon, the Greeks, created the Olympics. The Olympics... It's a bunch of people running, and the only one that wins is the perfect one. The rest of them, no matter how hard they work to get into the Olympics, you're nothing. You're one eighth of a second slower. You don't get on the wheel, you don't get anywhere. The one that wears the gold medal that stands up and they play the national anthem of their country is only one. Either with 40 girls running, you're all nothing. Because the Greeks believed in perfection. A woman has to be a goddess, has to be Venus, has to be perfect. A man has to be Hercules, has to be, have muscles and be perfect. Everything was a god. If you're not on the level of a god, then you go to the amphitheater. And what do they do in the Colosseum in the amphitheater? They murdered and killed any person that was born with Down syndrome, any person that was born with any defect, that was not perfect. They put him in as a gladiator, and the lions came, and they ripped him into pieces, and all the people were cheering. Why were the Greeks cheering when they ripped up a Down syndrome or a dwarf or anybody that was born a little bit different? Why were they screaming? Because the world was rid of imperfection. The Greeks believed, the Yavana believed in perfection. That's it. If you made it to the end and you were the winner, you can't. And we... The Jewish nation who lives in the Western civilization, we fell into this. The valedictorian is the gold medal. One girl, three girls, she was wanting to be nice, so they put three girls up there. 62 girls in that class! And you're putting up three representatives? What does that say to all the other girls? You failed as a Jew. Because you failed Chumash, and you failed all this thing, and you're not the winner. So you know what? If I'm not good at Chumash, I'm not good at Shabbos, I can't remember Lamatez Malachis, why should I keep it? I'm not good at it. It became a subject. I failed the subject, so I'm, what's Shabbos? Shabbos is not what Rabbi Walsh just said, that the New York Times writer is writing. Shabbos is getting 110 on your test. 
If I don't get 100 on my debt, I fail Shabbos. So if I fail Shabbos, what do I have to keep it for? I don't like it. Something I'm not good at. I don't like it. If I'm not good at learning and at school, I don't like it. And the minute I get out of school, I'm running for the hills. Torah is not subject. Torah is life. And you can't mark life. And you can't mark effort. In the Greek world, effort means nothing. We don't care how hard you try. You have to finish first. And that's what we're doing to our kids today. You have to go to the hardest school and get the hardest test, and you have to finish first. And if you don't finish first, you're a failure. So, of course, I'm a failure. I'm like my famous story with the Hillam. Right? We give punishment assignments to kids. Oh, you're late? Right? Five times? The capital to Hillam. So, so to Hillam's a punishment? Ah, David Amalek had nothing to do one day. He said, let's punish Jewish kids. I'm going to write to Hillam. And then he was in a very bad mood, so he wrote, Kofutes. Ah, now you got it. 150 psukim, you're going to have to write it five times. I made a long one. Girls, David Melech wrote to Hillam. His, his son was trying to kill him off Shalom. His wife was trying to kill him. Shal was trying to kill him. He was lost. He was called a mamzer by his own parents, by his, by his own brothers. He was lost. He was pushed away from everyone. And he sat down and he wrote a book about pain. Look at Peval. Go tonight home and read Peval. When he damaged Hashem, help me from my enemies. They're all trying to destroy me. Please help me. And you use that? To punish a kid? He wrote in his pain the greatness of God and you use that to punish a kid? And you, and you use a test mark to tell somebody in Chomish Moshe Rabbeinu came down with the Torah and he said, Ha! Now you're going to have to learn. You're going to get big tests. He came down with the Torah. He came down with life. Navi is, Navi is, is a subject. All the stories in Navi is a subject. And that's why so many kids are so turned off from Shabbos, from Kashrus, from Tznius. Tznius! Not a subject! Tznius monitors! I would see this monitor in my school? It's a subject? Tznius is his wife. We had a girl that just got married in my high school. So my high school, you know, after school, it's not exactly a Hasidic way that they get dressed. So a girl got married about a month ago, and she got married in Borough Park, and it was a Hasidic wedding, actually. And some of the girls in my school came, and they weren't dressed really the way they should have been dressed. And I, would, I said, not, 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 forget about everything. As respect to her, you should have been, right? But they weren't. So the girl that just got married last week, she's a middle shepherd, she's from my high school, she's smart. She knew she was going to tell the girls, listen, it's my wedding. Hey, you know, skirts below your knees, you know, buttons closed, sleeves below your elbows. They're not going to listen to her. They're not going to listen to her. So what'd she do? She said, listen, you girls that I'm inviting, you all my close friends. I want you to look, I want my close friends to stand out from everyone else who's at the wedding. My close friends, I want everybody in gowns. But she told them, I want everybody in gowns. I walk into the wedding, and these are my high school girls, and they look like the fullest girls in the world. They're wearing gowns, not three inches below their knees, to the floor. Clothes, sleeves. I'm like, 
Wow. So what's the deep meaning in here? If you would have told them, sneers, 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 halakha, sneers, sneers, they would have worn who knows what. But she said to them, you're the special people at my wedding, look it. And nobody argued, nobody said, what, I have to wear a gown? What, are you crazy? They said, really? We're special? You want us to stand out from all the other girls? That we're your, we're your, we're your group? We're, no, we're your posse? We're your bunch? They all came in, they all came in gowns. So if, 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 if Tzniyas was not taught as a subject, if Tzniyas was understanding that your girl, you're at the wedding, at the world, at the living, at where we are, you are God special, and therefore I want you to come to my world and dress in my world in gowns, so to say, in a certain way, you'd be walking and say, oh, wow, I'm getting dressed like this because I'm special. But Sneas is not special. Sneas is a subject. Sneas is you're watched. And look at that. And look at that. And throw her out of school. And tell her to buy another one. That's not what Hashem wants. That, that Chumash and Sneas and Shabbos and, and kosher is a, is, a, is a subject? That's not, God's not running a school here. This is not a school. The world's not a school. So there has to be a subject. Because if we don't mark them on it, they're never going to learn anything. I'm like, you are so wrong. They're going to learn just as much. It's not the mark that makes them learn. And the mark that they, they're getting for, for remembering, they forget all that. That's memorization. Two days later, give them the same test, they'll get a zero. That's not learning. That's not growing. I always, I always talk about this. You know, the girl that, that, that Hashem gave the 95 IQ and the other girl he gave 165 IQ, as long as she's trying her hardest, and on the other on the side of the report card that says effort, she gets an aleph, there's no other side to the report card. Because how could you give someone who's doing 100% effort a 75? Because God gave her 95 IQ. Or God gave her ADHD. Or God gave her a terrible memory. Who are you as a teacher, if the kid is doing 100% effort, to say, you, you are 60%. I'm not 60%. I am 100% of the tools that Hashem gave me. You want to give me 60%? Give it to God. Go to the Kaisal. Put my report card in there. It's his report card. He gave me ADHD. He gave me a learning disability. He gave me a 95 IQ. He gave me a terrible memory. What do you want from me? As long as the effort side is 100%. That's the side that's Yiddishkeit. The side with the marks, that's Greek. That's a race. That's a race. You're 90, you're 70. So some kids told me when I gave the shift today, they're like, no, but you don't understand, Ray Wallerstein. It, you know, it drives you. I'm like, it drives you because you want to be a Balgaiva. Because if you want to learn, you don't need to test. You sit in class and you learn. You need a test to tell you that you're a 90 student. You know what you know. You know what you know what you don't know. Now I got to take a test. I got a 90. You got a 70. Ha ha. If you didn't have the test, you don't think you know what you know. You know exactly what you know. You know exactly what you don't know. So, I got, I had, what, what got me all excited? I'll tell you what got me all excited. So I have an unbelievable seminary in this building. Baruch Hashem, 95 girls. I have not STEM teachers. I have superstars. YY, Milstein. I mean, everyone that's teaching there. One after another. Like Greenberg, like Friedman. We have Milstein from Lakewood, Right? Rabbi, uh, who speaks with me on, on Avina Makenu, 
Sephardic rabbi. Elay Mansour teaches here. Um, what's her name? Um, Mrs. Kalazan speaks here. All, all the speakers, right, that everyone looks after, that they schlep to every part of the world, right? They're all here every day. They all teach here. Ruben Abragamov, his wife, Daphne. It's an unbelievable place. So I found out that one principal, whatever, a girl asked her, should I go to Ateras Nava? And she says, it's not a real school. It's not a real school. Why isn't it a real school? Because they don't have real teachers. I'm like, how could you say that? First of all, you're insulting me, number one, because I teach there. But Rabbi Milstein is not a real teacher. Rabbi Twersky, who's a rub of a shul, is not a real teacher. Rabbi Elaine Mansour is not a real teacher. You don't have one person in your school that even comes to their toes. How dare you tell me that we don't have a real school, we don't have a real teacher. So you know what she answered me? And this is what the whole shit is based on. So you don't give tests. You don't mock the students. I'm like, that's right! Because we got real teachers. And we got a real school. We teach Torah that it's life. The minute I give it a mark, I'm Yavon. I'm the same person that's teaching in public school. I'm a professor. You got professors. In Judaic studies in colleges, they have people teaching Judaic studies that are goyim. All over the world, all over the United States. Professors of Judaic studies that aren't even Jewish. That are Carson. That are anti-Semites. That are pro-gay. They're teaching Judaic studies. Oh, that's a good teacher because he gives tests. But Eli Mansour, well, he doesn't give tests. I'm like, we're the opposite. Just the opposite. We're not Greek at all. Every girl comes here to learn. She knows what she knows. I know what she knows because I'm watching her in class. She loves it. She enjoys it. And she doesn't have to walk out with a 70 or an 80 because Hashem didn't give her 150 IQ. She walks out knowing that I know the best that I can. What a feeling. What do you want? He asked Yosef HaTzadik. What do you want? And Yosef HaTzadik said, I just want to belong. That's all I want. I want to be part of something. I want to be part of Yiddishkeit. Don't push me out because I'm not a good student. And that's the nace. And that's what we did. If you look at Alanisim, that's what this whole war, this huge war between the Jews and the Yavanim were. By the way, it wasn't a good time. It was the highest time of Jews becoming Goyim, of assimilation. When, when these few Jews, just the Maccabees, a few Jews got up and fought this. We were assimilating because the Jew always wants to belong to the rest of the world. So the minute the Greeks got up with their goddesses and their gods and their sports and, and this competition, the Jews automatically assimilated. Because we want to belong. Everyone wants to belong. And for some reason, we have a Yetzirah, not to belong to the Jewish nation, but we want to be like the Goyim. I want to dress in a way that if I walk down the street, no one's going to know that I'm a Jew. I see guys at baseball games they have payas and a beard and they're wearing a, a cap so nobody should see their yarmulke. I'm like, hello? <laughs> hello? You can pick out a Jew anytime. So we dress like them. We look like them. We talk like them. We listen to their movies. We watch their movies. We listen to their music. Right? Because Shweki is stupid and all this other stuff is stupid. 
I got news for everyone in this room. That a Shweki was a guy with his voice, that's all you'd be listening to. Trust me. All of them. Every one of the Jewish guys that sing, you'd all be listening to him. Because he's a Jew, you don't even realize it. He has a much better voice than the guy you're listening to. He's a guy we'd be listening to. And that's why the music that the Jewish guys play, that is as goyish as possible, that's what we, that if I'm such a good Sadekistar, I don't listen to goyish music, the Jewish music I'm looking for is the Moshe band. Because the Moshe band is the closest Jewish music to goyish music. Or what's his name? The reggae guy. Matis Yahu. Ah, all of a sudden some, some girl said, him I'll listen to. Why? Because he sounds like a black guy. He sounds like reggae. So if it's reggae, even though he's Jewish, I can handle it. Take any Jewish singer, put him on stage in a tight pair of pants with his buttons open, singing, you'd all be like, oh, it's God, God. So it's not his voice. It's not his music. He's Jewish. And I, I, I want to belong to the world. I want to be part of Yavon. I love their movies. If we put out a Jewish movie, no matter how good it would be, none of you would go. A Jewish movie? Come on, Rabbi. Who's starring in this movie? I want to see a Jewish movie. It could be the most amazing movie. Like, put on a Goyish music movie, they're all, they're all willing to watch. Even if there's one Jewish actor, but the, most of them are not Jewish, they're willing to watch. We're willing to go. That's our nature, by the way. We, we, we always feel that we don't belong, so we'll do anything to belong. But what are we sacrificing? We're sacrificing to be like the Yavanim. So what did Hashem do? Hashem said, in your face, Greeks. You're looking for the muscle man. You're looking for perfection. Says an Alain Isim. What happened by the war? The weak. What's the nace? The weak beat the strong. The opposite of Greek mythology. And the few beat the many. Hashem said, I'm going to show you that you're 100% wrong. And that five Jews with effort took down the whole Greek empire. They fought, if you read the history, they fought all the other empires in the world, they took them down. They were, they were, they were America. They had nuclear, they had, they had, they had elephants that were, that had armor on them. You could not get to the Greek. They had a, they had a, a navy. They had hundreds of thousands, it says, that Nicanor went and Bagris went and hired all the mercenaries in the world to go against Christ. So you, you're not talking about five against a thousand. You're talking five against a million. It's, it was impossible. And what Hashem was trying to teach us and what you need to take out of Hanukkah is that it's not the goal. It's not the winning. It's the effort. And if you put in the effort, because Baruch can do anything. Just try. It's all He wants. And that's what happened with the little can of oil. The little can of oil is that girl who got the 50s. The little can of oil cannot light for eight days. It's a little can of oil. It only lasts for one day. But Kleistrol said, our job is to put that can of oil into the menorah. We have to do our best. And if you look in al and what does it say? That they came into the base of Midrash and they cleaned it out and they straightened everything out and they searched and they searched and they searched till they found it. 
they could have used any oil, any oil would have been good. But they said, no, it's based on effort. If we look, and we look, and we look, we will find. And not only we will find for one day, but it's going to be a miracle for eight days. And that's what every person has to start doing on Hanukkah. You have to look into yourself. And you have to ask the question that the Malach asked. What do you want? What do you want? And you got to go inside yourself and you say, me? I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do that. He just said, what do you want? Tell me what you want. Try your hardest. And I'll take a candle. I'll take a girl with a teeny little flame. Just a teeny little flame. And I will light her up for eight days. Eight days represents above Teva. Ches is the number above Teva. I will do miracles. You have to put in your efforts. That's what Hashem wants. And I will tell you, I'm going to end with this. The Machlokas, if you have oil, the la- you have to, when you light tonight, you have to light, it has to last for half an hour. That's how long it has to light. You went ahead, you lit your candle, the candle lasts for 40 minutes. Your little grandson comes walking up after 10 minutes and he blows it out. Do you have to relight it? Halach is no. So there's a Machlokas. Hanacha is a mitzvah. Or hadlaka Hanukha mitzvah means it has to last for a half an hour. If you blow it out, you gotta put it back on. It has to last for a half an hour. Hadlaka mitzvah means that when you lit it, it could last for half an hour. After that, it doesn't matter. So this is machlaikis and we paskin, the law is hadlaka mitzvah. So, if you take a candle and someone blows it out and it could last for half an hour, it's great. Let's say I have a drop of oil in the house, it's only gonna last 10 minutes. Right? I put it into my cup thing, I light it, and I run to the store. And I get more oil, and now I fill it up, and it lasts for two hours. Is it good? No. It's not good. Because when you lit it, it can only last for ten minutes. Hadlaka oise mitzvah. Your job is to light the candle. Whatever happens after that, someone blows it out, it goes out, a wind comes, doesn't make a difference. If you put the effort in, and, it, and, and it's there, that's all you have to do is light the candle. We all have, in our neshama, crazy power. Hashem says, your job is to light that candle. And not to look at Yiddishkeit as a subject. You cannot fail. You cannot fail. But you can, you can lack to trying. That's all Hashem wants to see. When you come up to Shemayim, He doesn't want to know if you're Moshe Rabbeinu. He wants to know, did you try your hardest? It's all he wants to know. When you look at that little candle that you lit, the other side has Christmas tree, Rockefeller Center, huge, Yavon. Big Santa Claus on the front lawn, bunch of reindeers. I got some ISA. Showing off. Big, huge. Radio City Hall, huge, big things. We sit little little candle. A little teeny candle. Because we understand that it's not the safe dove, it's not the big thing, it's the little thing. And that, that little thing, that little candle is above Teva as long as you put the effort in. Myself, I was not the greatest, greatest student in the world, that's for sure. Certain subjects I liked, biology and chemistry, whatever, I did very well. But my biggest problem was math. Terrible in math. The guy next to me was pretty good. Okay, anyway, so I really wasn't good at math. 
Why wasn't I great? No, you have to repeat it. I said it under my breath. Hello. It's not important. Hello. with a joke. It's not, it's not important. It's not important what I said. Just. So, why, why do I have a problem in math? Because my brain is not logical. Everybody, the basis of math, you can't start doing math if you don't believe that 1 plus 1 equals 2. You can't, if, you, if you don't believe 1 plus 1 equals 2, you can't go any further. I never believe that 1 plus 1 equals 2. I believe 1 plus 1 equals whatever it needs to equal. <laughs> if it needs to equal 4, it equals 4. So my fractions and my equations always came out right. Because no matter what I did, it equaled what it was supposed to equal. Right? Cool. What am I saying? What am I, what am I saying? You can't figure out. You can't figure out what the end game is going to be. The only thing you can figure out is how much effort you're going to put into it. One candle was supposed to last, this oil was supposed to last for one day. So, in the world of math, you had a certain amount of ounces that burnt at a certain density a certain amount of time. In the world of math, that can can last for one day. In the world of my math, that candle can last forever. That candle can last for eight days. Why? Because I understand that Tyra is not a mark. A mark is finite. An 84 is an 84. It's not less than an 84, and it's not more than an 84. That's not Tyra. That's not a candle lasting for one day, lasting for eight days. Every person in this room has to know that we don't live in a world of finite where a Jewish nation comes up to a sea and it splits. That's not one plus one equals two. The water turns into blood. That's not one plus one equals two. And all the miracles that happen to us is eight. It's above Teva. So in the Jewish world, if you want to get somewhere, it's your effort. You can close your eyes. You just put that effort in because Baruch takes care of the rest. I promise you. Because takes care of the rest. You have to put the effort in. You have to look for inside yourself for that little can of oil. And you have to detox yourself from all those years that you believed that being a good Jew is getting a hundred on your test. That has nothing to do with being a Jew at all. There are millions and millions of non-Jews that get hundreds on their tests. It has nothing to do with Judaism. And I'll prove it to you. They have this thing called the charter school. When they came to the ch- with the charter school, the charter school is a government-paid public school, but it's for a it's for a segment of Jews because we claim to the state of New York that and other states that the Jewish people that our um, where we come from, our heritage. The black people have charter schools because they want to learn about their heritage. The Italians have charter schools because they want to learn about their heritage. The Latinos have charter schools because in the public school they're not learning about their heritage. So the Jew, some apicurious Jew, got up there and said, let's do the same thing. So I went to visit the charter school that used to be in the Rambam school in Kings Highway. And I went in there and they had like 300 students. And the reason that Israeli parents were sending them to this charter school was because number one, it's free. Public school, you have to pay ten thousand dollars tuition. Number two, Israeli parents want their kids to learn about Israel. So the number one rule in the charter school is that you can talk about Israel 
the Jewish people, the Jewish history, but you cannot mention God. If you mention God, we take the charter away. You cannot mention God, and you can't have those mezuzahs on your doors. Why? Because 60% of that charter school that I went to visit were non-Jews. Non-Jews. And I said, what are they doing here? And they said, they, it's history. They want to learn history. That's what Judaism is turning into, girls. It's becoming a subject that's history about Israel and about the Jewish nation and our history becoming a subject and we're losing the beauty that the guy from the New York Times we're losing the beauty of Shabbos because guess what Shabbos is also a, Shabbos, a subject today it has no it has very little meaning what I just described to you you're looking at me and you're saying like yeah how come I, this guy sees it and I don't see it because it's a subject you want to get over it as soon as you can get on your text see all your messages make your phone calls watch your movies and on Saturday night it's a big night finished at 6 o'clock thank God we can watch three movies in a row Shabbos is over. It's not something you like, oh, just 10 more minutes, come on. Just 10 more minutes of family together. We never talk to each other. Just 20 more minutes. It's like, let's get out of here. It's like, come on, make Abdullah! Abdullah! Dad, what are you doing? Get out of the bathroom! Abdullah! And the phone's already buzzing, buzzing. All the friends, like 18 friends. No, you ready? No, you ready? Come on, we're waiting for you. So... Shabbat says, no beauty. Shabbat says, I got to go through this. It's a subject. Pass it. Get over with it and keep going. So, of course, the girl doesn't want to keep Shabbos if that's how she's taught Shabbos. If she's taught Shabbos, and, I, and I'm begging the schools that every school should open, not a gym, open a kitchen. Spend $50,000. Build a Shabbos kitchen. Let the 12th graders and the 11th graders learn about cooking and baking for Shabbos, on Shabbos, what the hell is on. Hands on. Not a test. Not a memorization where she comes up with 40 pages of memorizing. If this happens, that happens. Guess what happens? These people get married and they invite 10 people over for Shabbos and her notes are still downstairs in the closet from five years ago and she thinks everything's going to be ready. She comes downstairs and the crock pot, the, the plug fell out. And she's like, oh my God. They're going to come chill it. I mean, you know, it's the big competition. You know, which wife makes the chill the best? What are we going to do? Oh, I'll just plug it in like this. <laughs> Panic! They're coming tomorrow. It's going to be cold. Panic! Uh, you know, I'll look this way. Uh, whatever. Or I'll have the girl, the, the, the guy may do it, whatever. Totally against halacha. And all that teaching and teaching and teaching and memorizing and testing, it's worthless. But you have them in a, in a, in a, in a kitchen and the rabbi who's teaching it says, what happens if you have 10 guests? And the plug falls out. And the, and the, and the chillant, and the chillant is getting cold. And guess what? If girls would bake in eighth grade, in ninth grade, tenth grade, chalas with Shabbos, and somebody would come in, cause today we don't call it food. We don't talk, we don't call anybody, you call somebody a cook, they feel like you're a slave. We call it culinary. So we're gonna get a culinary teacher, and she's gonna teach the kids how to make desserts, and how to make chulent, and how to make kugel, and how to make Svadic foods. These kids are gonna have the best time in their life! It's gonna be the best class in their life! Cause you can eat it, you can take it home, you can... We made the Ma, look what I made for Shabbos! Was the last time a girl walked home and said, Ma, look what I made for Shabbos! The Mexican comes from the store, and he delivers, here's Shabbos. 
The last time a girl walked home and said, Ma, look what I made for Shabbos. I'm begging them. Hands on. Hands on Pesach. Hands on Hanukkah. Let them make latkes. Let three different teachers come in and how to make cheese latkes. I never heard of them. Last night I heard this cheese latkes. I never had cheese latkes. Cheese latkes and this kind of latke and some ganiot. Let's bake it. Let's make it. Let's go home. Get your hands dirty. Get into it. No. It's a subject. No such thing in the Shabbos kitchen. So why am I talking to you? I'm talking to the choir over here. Because you're going to be mothers if you're not now. And make sure that your kids never fail, fall into Yavon. That your kids understand that Sneers and Shabbos and music and everything that we belong to is beautiful. It's not a subject. And if they come home with a 50 and 60 and they tried their hardest, don't you make them also not belong. Because it's bad enough when a kid feels that they don't belong in school. And they're looking for a place to belong. At least they belong at home. But when a kid doesn't belong at school because they're not doing well, and they come home, and then the mother and father yell at them also, so now they don't belong at home, you know where they're going to end up? In the street. Because the street absorbs and accepts everybody. And Yosef HaTzadik screamed it out. And it always comes out on Hanukkah. You have to kind of scream that. I just want to belong. Not where I'm going. I just want to belong. And in the end... Of the, of the end of this, of the, of the whole book of Horatius, Yosef ends up becoming the little, he's a little candle. He's a little 17 year old. He's the guy that they hated. He's the guy they, they threw into the thing. Nothing! One plus one? This guy could never, ever become anything. In Pashtun by Yigash, I'm finished. In Pashtun by Yigash, Yehuda says to him, you're like Paro. He doesn't know he's Yosef. What does Rashi say? Paro's a liar? You're a liar. So Mephoshim asks, where do you see in Chumash that Paro's a liar? What is he making the statement, Paro's a liar? You know what Paro was a liar? Paro made a law that a slave can never be in the hierarchy of the, of the Egyptian world. He said, you were a slave. He made you number two. He's a liar. He didn't know that he was Yosef. But he was a slave. It was impossible, girls, impossible for him to become who he was. He was that little candle that was supposed to last for one day. And in the math of, math of Mitzrayim, a slave cannot be. But Yosef HaTzalik, by Yemoyim last week, he fought it. He, he worked. He fought. He ran away from Potiphar's wife. Aha. You put in the effort. You're going to go to jail. You're going to go even lower. I'm going to take you from the lowest place, math, right? One plus one. And I'm going to make you second to the king. There's no boundaries when a Jew puts in their effort. There's no boundaries. That's what Hanukkah is all about. Look at that candle and think that it's you. And everybody's telling you, and, and, and me, you know, I didn't do that well. I, I remember the most embarrassing moment probably in my whole life was I used to stay up late at night. And I used to play a lot of ball. And I was telling the girls today that television, when I was growing up, believe it or not, at 2 o'clock, it went off the air. From 2 o'clock to 7 o'clock, all the channels just had an American flag. Anyone who's my age knows that. Had an American flag waving. There was no television between 2 o'clock and 7 o'clock in the morning. And you had to get up to change it. Could you imagine that? You had to get up to change the channel. You guys would never watch television. You had to get up, change the channel, then an advertisement, get up again, change the channel, forget about it. Anyway, I used to stay up very late at night. I used to stay up very late at night. And I would play ball. So I was very tired sometimes in the Gemara Shir. I'd fall asleep. But God helps us. You know, what you need, you get. So whenever my Rebbe would say to me, while she's sleeping, what's the next word? For some reason, and some girls today in seminary told me they have the same ability. 
in my sleep, I always heard the last word he said. So when he said, next word, I pick up my head, and I would, I would, I would have heard the last word, and I'm like, oh, my young man. He would say, how do you know that? You're sleeping for the last half hour. I'm like, I wasn't sleeping. I just had my head down. I was closer to the letters. That's all. My face was like close to the letters. I have an eye problem. You know, I'm very close to the letters. So one day he says to me, it's a true story. He says, Wallstein, you're not listening. You're sleeping. And I picked up my head. I said, no, I'm up the whole time. And my whole class started laughing. Now, this is one of the first times I mean, they never laughed. I was like, what are they laughing at? I'm looking at my class. Why are you guys laughing at me? And they're all pointing to my Gemara. And I looked down at my Gemara, the most embarrassing thing, a pool of drool. <laughs> and when I lifted my head, of course, it was still connected. So it looked really bad. And I'm telling my Rebbe, I wasn't sleeping. Aha. Uh-huh. Just that little pool, like, just happened, you know? Whatever it was. Girls, that was a teeny little candle. That was as teeny a candle as you could imagine. I can tell you that. It was a teeny little candle. And it was impossible. To have an Ornavan and a Teresnavan, a Blochaya. There was no way the bet would have been 100 to 0 that I would ever turn into anything. For sure. Bubar Hashem. I didn't turn into that much, but effort. Pushed. And stuff that everybody told me could not happen, Ornava cannot happen. You have older ladies and younger ladies and Sephardic girls and seminary girls and high school girls and, and girls that get dressed, dressed this way and that. And I went to the biggest in Chirach with my idea and they said, you will fail. You want to do this, you have to open eight schools. A school for the from, a school for the modern, a school for the old, a school for the young. You can't put everybody in one room. It doesn't work. I went to the top and I said, hey, I'm doing it. And he said, you'll fail. One year, it's closed. It's 10 years. And we have Shabbatons with a thousand people. And we have Shirem every night. And we go all over the place. Because one plus one doesn't equal two. One plus one equals whatever you need it to. As long as you put the one in it. You have to put the one. You're the one that's doing the effort. Plus one is that Kodesh Baruch Hu, The Jewish math. Don't do it on your test because you're not going to do well. But the Jewish math is that you putting in effort together with Hashem. You can be a little pach and end up being above teva. You can change the world. You can do anything. One plus one, you and Hashem equals everything. But zero plus one, if you don't put in the effort, even with Hashem, you're not going to get anywhere. Zero plus one equals zero. Have a good night. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.